Thanks everybody for being here this morning. It's good to have the number that we do have here. When we pulled in this morning, uh, the kids said, everybody's running late. And I said, well, this is just about everybody and, uh, and more or less uh, to them because uh, we're very slim in our number. But thank you for, for being here. Well, when you're interviewing for a job, you need to be ready to answer a lot of questions. And some of them may be difficult questions to answer. I was talking with a guy this week who's getting ready to interview for a job and he was very nervous about what kind of questions are they going to ask me. But a favorite question of these questions that are designed to sort of probe behind the surface and get at what kind of person you are, one of those questions that's popular is the question, what motivates you? And so as you're going through this interview and you're sweating bullets, you might get the question, what motivates you? Now apparently, according to the experts, the answer, having a job so that I don't have to live outside under a bridge is not a good answer to the question, what motivates you? You need to be a little bit more uh, thoughtful than that. But the interviewer, when he asks you that question, he wants to know what uh, gets you up in the morning? Why do you do what you do? What keeps you going? What motivates you? We need to ask ourselves this question as we live a life of a Christian. What motivates us? Why do we do what we do? Why do we keep on keeping on? Why do we strive to live a life that's pleasing to God? This morning I want to ask that question, what motivates you in various aspects of your service? To God. But before I ask you that question, I want to give you the answer to what motivates you or what the answer should be. And that answer is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. As we live a life of service to God, as we try to be the Christians that He wants us to be, what motivates us should be this. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything that I do in my life ought to be framed with that parameter in mind that I'm trying to live a life that brings glory to God. This morning, let's ask that as we look at various aspects of our lives. Some simple questions for us this morning. First off, why do you do good? We're trying to live a life that is a life of doing good, of serving God, of living for Him. Why do you do that? There are a lot of reasons why people do good. Some people live the way they do. Some people live the lives that they live to keep other people off of their back. Maybe it's their husband or their wife. They're living in such a way just because they're tired of hearing their husband or tired of hearing their wife get on to them, and so they try to live a clean life and a good life to keep their husband or their wife off their back. Some people live their lives to keep their family on their side. You know, their family's committed to doing right, and they want to fit in with their family. They want their kids to look up to them and, and respect them as a father or a mother, and so they live that way for their family. Others have friends who are doing it, and so they just sort of go along. Or maybe it's our brethren. We don't want our brethren to be disappointed. We don't want them to have to come to us and try and correct us. 
we live the way that we live just because our brethren are sort of pressuring us into doing that. Is that why you do what you do? Is that why you live a life of God? You've heard it vocalized, haven't you? When you hear, you hear someone say, well, I better not do that, my wife would be mad at me. People are living the way that they live because of other people. Still others live the way that they live so they can maintain an image. There are a lot of Christians today, I'm afraid, that are living the way that they live because they want to maintain an image. You know, we all like to be patted on the back. We all like people to tell us, boy." We all like people to approve of us. The problem is that many people are allowing that to motivate them religiously. They're looking for approval. They're looking for praise. They're doing what they do so that other people look up to them and praise them and glorify them instead of glorifying God. Jesus was clear about this in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Many are doing what they do religiously today. For the glory of men. What they do is so that they will get the praise and the honor of men. And we look at these people and say, oh, how could they do that? Are we doing that? Are we living the way that we live so that others will praise us and honor us? Are we doing it so people will think we're special? Are we doing it so people will look up to us and admire us? What a wonderful person he or she is. Is that our motivation? Is our motivation that we want the praise of men? Do you want to get a spot on the pedestal so that others will elevate you and think that there's something special about you? When you do your good deeds, do you want other people to know? Do you boast? Do you brag? Do you make sure that everybody sees what you're doing so that you can get that praise? Is that what motivates you? Paul says in Romans chapter 2, verse 29, He is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in spirit and not in letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. God wants us to be living the way that we're living, not for the praise of men, he wants us to be motivated by His praise. And He wants us to be motivated by the fact that we're living this life to bring glory to Him. In, uh, in Matthew, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 6, 5, verse 16. Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Why do I do what I do? And it's not wrong for other people to see me doing these things. But it's not to bring praise to me, is it? I'm doing it to let my light shine 
so that others might glorify God. Everything I do is to bring glory to God. Is that our motivation? Any other motivation I'm going to tell you is wrong and will ultimately lead us away from God. Any other motivation, any other motivation besides wanting to bring glory to God and gain His approval is wrong and will ultimately lead us away from God. This is important. It's very important. If we're looking for the praise of men instead of the praise of God, if we're seeking after men's approval instead of God's approval, we're going to be led astray. And furthermore, I want to tell you, we're robbing God of what He deserves. He deserves us to be living in a way that brings glory to Him and gives glory to Him. Herod had this all wrong in Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, verse 21, on a set day, arrayed in royal apparel, Herod sat on his throne and gave an oration to them, and the people kept shouting the voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him and because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. Herod didn't give the glory to God. Herod didn't do what 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And you better believe that God noticed that and he wasn't pleased. And when I do things for my glory, to bring honor to me, and I rob God of the glory and honor that He deserves, you better believe He sees that too. All that I do needs to be to the glory of God. Does that motivate you in your service to God? Are you living a life that focuses on that? My actions today need to be designed to glorify God. The way that I treat others, the way that I live my life, needs to be to that goal, to bring glory to God. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Why do you do what you do? What motivates you? I want to ask you, what motivates you in the way that you dress? Why do, the, why do you dress the way that you do? I remember in high school. When I was in high school and when boys are at that age where they're starting to turn into men, they've got a lot of hormones running through their body and they like to go to the weight room. And they like to work out because they want to get those big muscles. And I, I got to admit, I, I sort of signed on to the fad for a little bit. It didn't work. I tried really hard. Well, I tried. I didn't know about that hard. It didn't work. I even took a weightlifting class in college. And the teacher of that class went on to be a head coach in the NFL. And even he couldn't help me. It didn't work for me. But it worked for a lot of guys. It did. And some of the guys got some really big muscles. And when they got those big muscles, I want to tell you, they'd spent a lot of time in the, in the weight room and they wanted to show off those muscles. You know what they did? They cut the sleeves off of their shirt. And they walked around with their arms hanging out. And they sort of bowed up like this so everybody would notice the arms, the muscles. They wanted, you had to see. And some of the guys even carried their books in a bag so they'd have to be flexing and it'd really make that muscle stick out. They wanted everybody to see it. They wanted to show it off. They wanted to show off their big arms. They wanted other people to take notice. And looking back on that now, we can all sort of giggle about how boys do that. About how silly it is. And how foolish it looks now in hindsight. What do I tell you? People do this long after high school, don't they? 
People dress as adults to draw attention to their bodies. Men and women alike still wear tight clothes to show off their body. People wear revealing clothes to uncover parts of the body that God says cover up. And why? Why do we do that? Are we, why are we motivated to do that? We're motivated to do that to get the attention of others. To look at me. Look how good my body looks. And I'll tell you, the fashion designers are in the business. And being the good business people that they are, they design clothes with the express intention to accentuate parts of your body. And if you want whatever part of the body you want to accentuate, they have a clothing design for that. And they'll tell you, here's what you need to wear if you want to show this off or that off. And don't think it doesn't work. It works very, very well. It works very well. If you want to draw attention to your body, you certainly can. And there are a lot of people who are making money dressing this way. Proverbs chapter 7 talks about a woman who was dressed in a way to draw attention to herself. In Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6, For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple I perceived among the youth a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house in the twilight in the evening in the black of the and night. And there met a woman there with a attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. There was an attire that this woman used to draw attention to her body. Harlots understood, understand this. People who aren't harlots understand this. People of the world understand this. People wear clothing to draw attention to themselves. And notice that the harlot doesn't just walk around naked without any clothes on. She walks around with clothes on because clothes can draw attention to your body. Clothes can be the problem if they're not the right kind of clothes. Just, I want to ask the question, when we get dressed, are we draw, dressing in a way that will bring glory and honor to God in everything that you do? Do all to the glory of God. The dress that we wear, whatever it may be, for whatever we're doing, needs to bring glory to God. That's what 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 says. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but what is proper for women professing godliness with good works. It's proper, I mean it's possible, to be fully clothed and not be clothed in a way that brings glory to God. I could be clothed from head to foot in a way that doesn't bring glory to God, that brings the glory and attention to me, in a way that doesn't show godliness. My dress needs to show godliness. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I want to ask you this morning as well, what motivates you? Why do you behave the way you do in the congregation? Why do you behave the way you do in this church? You know, there are a lot of different motivations for why people behave the way they do in the church. A lot of people in the church are motivated to act the way they do because of personal agendas. There are a lot of people who behave the way they do in the church because they have hard feelings towards others. 
There are people who act the way they do in the church because of some hard feelings that they harbor in their heart. Maybe they never liked that person to begin with. And that person did some things that really hurt their feelings. Maybe they slighted them. Maybe they intentionally mistreated them. Whatever it was, that person just really has burned the last bridge. It is over. I can't stand that person. In fact, I wish that person wasn't around. Maybe I wish they weren't even in the church. The church would be a whole lot better if that person wasn't here. I'd like them to leave. And maybe I'll act in ways to maybe encourage that. Maybe if I continue to treat them that way, maybe they will leave. And I'll be done with them. There are a lot of people who are motivated by agendas like that in the church. Tell you, there are also people who are motivated by an agenda to gain a position of prominence in the church. There are people who are motivated in, in churches because they want to be the person who's in control. The person who has all the say. The one who has the ability to call the shots. To be the leader. There are people who like Diotrephes in the church. In 3 John verse 9. 3 John verse 9. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Diotrephes had an agenda. If you looked at Diotrephes and what motivated him, his agenda was to be the preeminent one. He wanted to be the one on the stage. He wanted to be the preeminent one. There are others who are motivated by a desire that is hard to comprehend, but is certainly out there among people. They like to have controversy. There are people who like to keep things stirred up in the church. They like there to be some controversy. There was a guy in the church years ago. I never understood him. But he wanted to have controversy. And in the business meetings, you could watch him at work. When someone made a suggestion and others were agreeing with that suggestion, he would take the other side of the issue. And he'd argue against why that was not a good idea. And then when he got everybody going his way and agreeing with him, he'd jump back on the other side of the fence and argue it from the other way. He'd just like to keep things stirred up. There are people, for whatever reason, who like to keep things stirred up. They want to have controversy. Still others are motivated in the church to behave the way they do because they just can't take it anymore. Their patience is exhausted. They've put up with people who are difficult. And it's just gone on too long. They can't take it anymore. They're done. They've, their patience is exhausted and now they're going to start fighting it out because there's difficult personalities. Why do these people act the way that they do? In all of these scenarios, why are people acting the way that they do? Is it because they're interested in how God can be glorified in His church? Or are they more interested about their own personal interest? I think the latter is true, isn't it? But I want to tell you, as we work together as Christians here, we've got to have the mindset that all that we do as a group together is going to be done to the glory of God. It's not about my personal agenda. It's not about my pride. It's not about my feelings. It's not about my desire to have a position of prominence. Everything that we do together has to be done to the glory of God. Romans chapter 15, verses 6 and 7. That you may be with one mind and one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God.
all that we do together as a group in God's church needs to be done to glorify Him. That's why we're here, isn't it? That has to motivate us as we work together. That's what Jesus wanted in John 17. In John 17, verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. God wants us to work together in harmony, in long-suffering, in patience, in love, so that we can bring glory to God. What motivates you the way you behave in the congregation. And finally this morning, I want to ask you, why do you endure persecution? What motivates you in that? This life is hard, isn't it? We live in a wicked world. Christians are going to have to be willing to suffer persecution in the world that we live in. What motivates you in that? What motivates you in being different from the world and looking out and looking different, looking strange, being separate from the world, what motivates you to do that? I want to tell you, it's nothing new that we experience here in the 21st century. It's nothing new at all. It's been going on since time began. That those who want to live for God have been different from the world. This is not new, and I want to tell you, it's not at an unprecedented level. The persecution that we have to endure today is milder than it has been in the past. I'd say it's much milder than it's been in the past. Just open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 if you doubt that. Yes, we go through difficult times, but it's mild. But even in that, though, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to endure the persecution that we have to endure. Why do we endure that persecution? And somebody might raise their hand and say, I don't know, I've been asking myself that question. Why do we endure persecution? Why do we go through the challenges that we have to go through? Do we endure it just because that's our plight? Well, I don't know. I guess it's what God wants for us. We're just going to have to put our head down and go through it. Is that why we endure persecution? Do we just endure it because, well, it'll be good for us in the end? I don't know. This is bad. But in the end, it's going to be good. And heaven's going to be worth it. Let's just endure it. Is that why we do it? Is this life just going to be miserable until they put us in the ground and then it'll be all right? Is that why we endure persecution? Is that what motivates us? Yes, it's true that it is going to be our plight. Yes, it's true that it'll make us better in the end. I'll tell you, there's another reason why we endure persecution. There's another reason why we ought to be motivated to endure persecution. And you guessed it. It's so that God can be glorified. Jesus had this motivation in John 21, verse 19. John 21, verse 19. This He spoke, signifying by what death He would glorify God. And when He had spoken this, He said to them, follow Me. Jesus went through what He went through for a lot of reasons. I'll tell you, He was motivated by the desire to glorify God. We're going to have to go through a lot of things that are difficult and uneasy. But we need to have this motivation as well. That I'm going to endure what I'm supposed to endure so that God can be glorified. 
My whole life is about glorifying God in all that I do. I'm going to endure the difficult times that I've got to endure because I want God to be glorified. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that then when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Are you going to have to go through hard times? Is it going to be uncomfortable? Is it going to be difficult? Are you going to have trouble in the world? Are you going to have trouble maybe in your families? Are you maybe even going to have trouble among your brethren? Because you are committed to doing what is right. Yes. Why do it? Why stand up for what's right, regardless of the cost? So God can be glorified. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What motivates you? Is that your motivation? Did you wake up this morning with the desire to glorify God today? Will you wake up tomorrow morning with the desire and objective to glorify God? Are you living in a way that shows that that's your priority? If you're not, would you make correction before it's too late? Could we help? Let us know while we stand and sing.